Now you done got lost with the Fufule, but you know the swamp pretty well. You know this marsh. You know this area. Besides, it's a cold, cold night. You see that off in the distance. That can't be no Fufule, because those lights ain't moving. And they kind of all in a straight line, and they look kind of happy. They kind of look like Christmas lights. You know, the Christmas season is a very special time down here in Louisiana. And as you trumble through the marsh, you think you might have found a little bit of a winter miracle. As you see a cabin covered in Christmas lights, with a nice fat man with a big white beard sitting on a wide front porch, whittling him some toys for some little ones. I think you might have just stumbled across a Christmas special out here in Outlandish Parish. Alright, welcome back to Outlandish Parish for the Christmas show. Woo, Christmas Ooh, Merry time. Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Bon Noel, Bon Fete, Bon whatever you celebrate. <laughs> Mais ouais. Bon Kwanzaa, Bon Hanukkah. Bon... Mm-hmm. We actually had a, a Hanukkah Christmas exchange. Um, a lot of the people oh. that I do market with in New Orleans are Jewish. And oh, cool. We got to make some cookies. Um, shout out my Nola Frenchman peeps for making some amazing cookies. And it's interesting because, you know, one of the things I realized going through the research for this thing is... We got a lot of traditions, like we do. <laughs> oh my God, Which Louisiana! I mean, we know we're a melting pot. We know that we are a diverse culture and a diverse state that comes from a lot of different contributing factors. But mm-hmm. dear, sweet, and very, very appropriate this time, sweet baby Jesus, there are so many things to do in Louisiana in December. <laughs> yeah. It's overwhelming. When you were growing up, what was? Mm-hmm. The Christmas thing, like what was like your favorite part of the Christmas holiday? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, gathering with family mostly. You know, we do my mom's side on uh, Christmas Eve for the, I guess, <laughs> a down to buy a Revion dinner, and mm-hmm. then Christmas Day we'd go to my dad's side. But you know that just that those couple days, and then afterward of spending it with family, and all then all the build up to then, like all the excitement, circling things in the in the Sears wish book or the J.C. Penny or whatever catalogs, oh, you yeah. know, and Telling Santa what you want, and it, yeah, just the Sears robot catalog that, the, and it was big, hunting season too, so you got to you know duck hunt around that time and all that. Yeah, stuff. a lot of guys go fun. hunting like on the twenty sixth. It's like Cajun Boxing Day. You just putting deer in a box, right? Deer, like, yeah, yeah. Deer is hunt, it usually yeah. deer? Or is it duck this time of year? Um, it's been so long since I've been there. I know duck comes right before deer, and sometimes intersect in between. I think it's still duck hunting season at the time of this recording, but I could be wrong. I know deer I'm hunting is sure. still going on as well, too, though, gotcha. right now. But there really is, like, so much buildup. Um, I mean, one thing, I've I actually, I've never been to the bonfires on the levees down in St. James Parish. But uh, I am definitely having a link in the show notes for that because yeah. I've been wanting to go, but it's one of those things, like, my, it's not part of my ongoing tradition. So it's mm-hmm. always one of those things of, like, we should go do that. And then our established traditions kind of supersede that. Yeah. No, I get it. And I've seen more bonfire pictures this year than ever before, I think, like of the structures of they're downright impressive. <laughs> yeah, they're beautiful. They've gotten artsy with it. Like if you have you seen the one for this year? Uh, this is um, the big garfish. Yeah. For 2023, it's a garfish. Yeah. Dude, like sick. 
Love they're it. getting they're getting art installation levels of nuts with those, and they have the big bonfire festival down in Lutcher. Now, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, if you've ever seen pictures of the Mississippi River, right? It's got those two big levees on either side, and what the bonfires are. It was, um, it's a tradition to light the bonfires on the levees. Now, some people say on Christmas Eve. Now, these are not bonfires. I'm sure they started out as completely reasonably sized fires. But these, <laughs> right. these things are enormous. And the tradition started that it was either to um, lead people on the way to Mass or to light the way for uh, Papa Noel or for Santa Claus to come along the river. I learned through researching for the show that it started in with these French Marist priests, and I had to actually look up what a Marist priest is, and a Marist priest is a Catholic priest who's dedicated to Mary. I'd never heard of that before. I didn't know that either. It's probably a term that I heard about that just kind of washed over my ears because there's a lot of different types of priests. Well, we both were raised Catholic as well, so we should know that, but yeah. But it was, yeah, around 1863, these uh, groups of French Marist priests, after the Civil War, a lot of they were coming to Louisiana, and they served the French population. So you're looking at these priests that came in, and I guess maybe as a way to lead. I, if it's originating with the priests, I'm guessing it kind of has a little bit more to do with mass than with Santa Claus, especially mm-hmm. back in 1863. But they would light these bonfires along the levees, and it's just gotten to be a bigger and more interesting thing. And like any other tradition, it ebbs and flows. You know, there were some times whenever there weren't too many bonfires, but wow are they back and in in a really really big way like they have the festival leading up to it there are still bonfires they they do save a few from the bonfire festival for christmas eve and yeah it's not just if you ever see it looks like a pyramid uh, kind of a a benign Mm. wicker man giant sculptures sort of thing but i've seen they made crabs they've made i think they made a raccoon one year uh-huh. Just out of logs, like stacking the wood so that it's going to not just burn, but burn safely and also be like this amazing, basically art installation piece that they just set on fire. It's like Burning Man. If you like, you can't go to the desert for like a week. You've only got like <laughs> two hours on a on a Louisiana evening. That's it's, yeah. It's rural That's Burning awesome. Man. <laughs> rural Burning. I love that. Burning Man in the Swamp. Yeah, Burning Man in the Swamp. But um, I, I do. I really want to go. And you guys, like I said, I'll have a link in the show notes. There's every reason to come down and see this. It's absolutely awesome. But we don't have bonfires along the levees. Um, we don't. We have levees, but they're like far back from our houses. Right. I actually wanted to do something. Maybe we can start this tradition. Uh-huh. Um, I always wanted to do something where we just put like tiki torches along the bayou. Mm-hmm. Like that's like, cool. I think I called it Lumière de Révion. And just like just to do. Like, if you lived along the bayou side, just something pretty. I think that'd be gorgeous, like all the lights. If you have bayou front property, just put out a couple of tiki torches along the bayou side on Christmas Eve. Um, oh, that'd be a, cool. I had an idea for doing it, and I, that, it fizzled like so many of my other great ideas. But what we have, and you guys might have had them too, is we have the boat parades, and the boat parades oh, yeah. are awesome. Absolutely. I used to always look forward to that. Maybe more candy fell between the cracks of the wharf than got into our <laughs> hands, but you know it's still fun. Fish it was cool. Christmas yeah. candy too. So do the crabs and the yeah, that's garfish. Right. And see how the garfish get so big. And see seeing Santa on a Lafitte skiff coming your way is pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. I will say that. <laughs> oh, I always loved it. They would. Um, there was one guy in La Rose. He would put the lights even in, into his nets. Like he'd have his popiatas out. He'd have his skimmer arms mm. out. 
and he would have even strung his nets with lights. This guy went like oh, he was cool. a, it was a, I don't remember which boat it was. This is when I was little. But so yeah, he wouldn't just have like the lights on his boat. And if you guys need to look up pictures, by all means, uh, Google Christmas boat parades for um, Chauvin or Lafouche or Terrebonne Parish. And they probably do them out towards like Morgan City and stuff, too. I'm sure. Yeah. But just every light possible strung up on these boats. And they look they look like, I don't know, like floating gingerbread houses or something. They're absolutely gorgeous. And um, they come down the bayou side and everybody goes watches them. And that's usually one or two weeks before Christmas. And... Mm -hmm. Every you know, every little community is going to have their their little Christmas fair, their craft fair. We used to have church parking lot fairs when I was little, where like, you know, you could go and buy a, a crocheted rosary for your mama or well, yeah, some special pillowcase cookies. Mm-hmm. You know, just little, just little stocking stuffery stuff that they used to have in the church parking lots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember some of that too. We had a little bit of that here and there. You're bringing back so many memories here. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I put up a post on Facebook about like, you know, what are your Christmas memories? Because I'll be honest, if anybody wants to to interact or ask questions or really just amuse themselves by inciting linguistic wars, the various virtual table francaise and the like most of the parishes will have their own memory boards on Lafouche where people will share mm-hmm old pictures and stuff like that. And that's one of my main resources is I'm, I'm getting firsthand accounts from people. And usually if it's somebody who can back it up with like an article or something, they'll usually post it. And so I literally just ran up the flag. I was like, Hey, what are y'all Christmas traditions? What are your holiday traditions? And a lot of them, I, I'm almost to the letter. They all said midnight mass. And that's something oh. I love. I still love a midnight mass with the candles you know, it's Christmas Eve. I was torn Eve. on midnight mass. <laughs> Only because the, the sooner I went to bed, the sooner Santa could arrive. But that's true. I did go to my fair share of midnight masses, for sure. <laughs> Singing Silent Night in a midnight mass in yeah, a candlelit service. Yeah, beautiful, it actually. Like, it was worth all the pain of those hot rollers my mom used to put in my hair. Oh, shit. The steam. Those, okay, I know you didn't have hot rollers. No, I didn't. naturally gorgeous, but like, oh my God. You'd, <laughs> what I have You would sit there. <laughs> You would sit there and you'd have to like, like let your mama do you up because that was like, you know, you had to be all fancy for midnight mass. But and then you come yeah. home and you now the, that's where the Revillon dinners come from was because okay. it used to be tradition to fast when people were a little more dogmatic with their uh-huh. cultural, their religious practices. Um, and I'm sure there are still people that do. But a Revillon dinner started because it was traditional to fast on Christmas Eve. So you'd wake up. And nobody would eat until midnight mass. And so you would, I mean, some of the menus that I saw for these old Revillon dinners, like foie gras, oyster stew, pate, like every, these like incredibly rich, you wouldn't have like petit fours, you'd have like souffles. You wouldn't have a little something, you would would just like gorge yourself on Christmas (laughs) Eve. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, if we if we had oysters on Christmas Eve, it was from a sack from our uncle or something, mm, you know, <laughs> from a, yeah, cracking that we, on an old anvil <laughs> with some uh, with some gloves and an oyster knife rather than uh, yeah, not Mom so much. Paul can eat half a sack of oysters because for us to get a half a sack of oysters shut somehow, we half a sack of oysters would always disappear. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. So good, they were so good. My mama used to peel crabs for me. Same thing. She, she, mm-hmm. I didn't have much eggs, many eggs left because she loved the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it was that sort of dinner. It wasn't it wasn't like a light fare. They weren't having like crepes. They would have like the heaviest, most insane foods. And you know, they started they they really started coming back in the nineties in New Orleans and now there's a lot of restaurants across New Orleans. This is kind of where it used to be a midnight mass thing. Now it's more of a holiday season thing in New Orleans where you can have a Revion dinner. And um, I'm going to have a link up. Uh, New Orleans, I think it's a NOLA Food Magazine, has a list of all the places that you can go and have a Revion dinner in New Orleans. So we're going to have a link for that in the show notes too. So the next time you know, any of you guys are in New Orleans in the Christmas season, you can go and experience a Revion dinner. Now, look, it's not going to be foie gras and oyster stew these days. Like, people have gotten a little more reasonable. It's usually just kind of a fun way for a restaurant to, like, showcase their holiday menu. You know, that's kind of like the bonfires. It's another thing. We're like, we should do that. Yep, we should. Oh, wait, no, we already have all these other traditions. <laughs> yeah, just add it to the plate. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, Christmas time's not busy enough for everybody. Oh but... We also need to go watch uh, bonfires and then eat foie gras. That, that's on our to-do list sounds awesome actually i, I want to do that right now you can eat foie gras at the bonfire festival and kill two yeah. birds with one stone that's right like, see, like <laughs> the christmas season starts i mean let's be honest it starts definitely at the beginning of december um we don't have a lot a whole lot we still honor thanksgiving in cajun country mm-hmm. like i've noticed that like like a lot of the christmas people there are a few people that put up their lights but i think it's because thanksgiving is a cooking holiday yeah i think it's got a little bit more of a foothold in cajun culture like that turkey's mm-hmm. holding its own between christmas and halloween down here <laughs> but um, right. if you go over to france i found a couple of older traditions in Acadie and stuff that kind of did this but not so much with the cajun culture but you know me i love my creepy and i love my spooky and to find mm-hmm. anything creepy or spooky with early christmas like pre-christmas day christmas is you got to go to Père futard yeah he sounds frightening He's totally <laughs> frightening. But we have a Krampus parade. I want to see some in New Orleans. I want to see some Père Futard uh, costumes next year at the Krampus parade in New Orleans. Because What we are have the timelines own... on both of those? Because they're kind of similar in ways, but different as well. Krampus is more German, is it? Or is that French as well? Because uh, Futard is obviously French. Père Futard, Futard is obviously is French. French. And Futard being tied to St. Nicholas, it's definitely French. Krampus is more um, German. But I think Sounds that German, the parts yeah. of France that you find Père Futard in are the parts that are a little more um, like it's in the mountainous area. Remember, parts of France used to be Germany. Parts of Germany used to yeah, be France. Absolutely. Right. So you find the stories are going to be from that sort of mixed region of france where where the stories would have overlapped a lot but krampus is like kind of seems like an older concept whereas per futard is like very distinctly like tied to saint nicholas not santa claus like saint yeah. nicholas and if you guys haven't heard about him there's not as much about him as krampus uh, he hasn't gotten the big hollywood treatment but basically he was an innkeeper who really 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 needed to feed people and What's the best thing to put in a stew when you're all out of cows or sheep or duck or rabbit or fish or anything? Children. Of course. So he um <laughs> he took these kids, he cut them up, he oh pickled them, intending to put them in a stew. And then St. Nicholas came by and brought the children back from being pickled pig's feet in a barrel, uh, <laughs> brought them back to life, and Père Futard repented his ways and became St. Nicholas's servant. And the way that he serves St. Nicholas is that he gets to mess with all the, the mean kids. Now, he's not like cutting them up and pickling them and putting them in a barrel over no. his shoulder. He's, he whips them and, and hits them. And he just kind of kind of looks like a classical depiction of Rasputin, like just kind of a mm-hmm. the big, big beard hairy, a, scary yeah. dude with a beard. 
like mm-hmm. kind of greasy kind of mean looking. I see a yeah, lot of no. pictures of him with a, I guess, a, his mace or his whatever the wooden stick that he hits people. Yeah, with, he hits he hits the kids with a stick, but he's not like he's he doesn't have any sort of like non-human features. He doesn't have horns. He doesn't have cloven hooves. He doesn't have mm-hmm. his costume was literally just be cosplaying as a dude who <laughs> likes to hit kids with sticks and cut them up and pickle them. It is a story that you know I would I would love to see get a little more traction in yeah. Louisiana Kate French because um. Well, we can yeah, make yeah, that got, happen. Got and there's enough of a German population that's mingled with Louisiana population. Like, yeah. We have Boudin. We can't turn away the Krampus. But uh, Père Futar is a little a little creepy. Like, pickled children, evil Santa seems a little uh The a magic little of unique. Christmas, y'all. Yeah, but they right. don't come on Christmas Eve. They come on December 5th. December 5th, that's right. Yeah, yeah like all the way the up. Time. And I think Krampus definitely attends Santa Claus. Père Futard does not come with Santa, and in France, it's a separate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a totally separate holiday date. So it's Père Futard and Saint Nicholas. That's like the that's like the amuse bouche. That's like the pre Santa <laughs> sampler. Yeah. And I guess it's a way to like scare the crap out of the kids, so they are good for those last few weeks before Christmas. Maybe like oh, absolutely. Père yeah. Futard comes and and whacks them on the hiney, <laughs> then they'll be a little more uh, a little more well behaved. Gets- Kids in line, like the threat of being pickled by some strange bearded man, for sure. I mean, I I would like to think <laughs> my children would behave if they were threatened with dismemberment, pickling, and you eventual, know. Yeah. you know, being put in a basket. But like, as far as older traditions in Cajun country, I couldn't find that much as far as Christmas mm-hmm. itself. It seems like it was mostly a Christmas holiday, like Christmas Eve, fasting and preparation, probably a lot of cooking, but fasting, midnight mass. And then the next day, you know, in, as far as Louisiana goes, not so much. Like it wasn't, Christmas wasn't really much of a, a gift giving holiday. You do find places in New Orleans and stuff that, that they did kind of go with the more traditional, you know, French ideas. And um, some of the things that separate like French Santa from American Santa is that uh, they call him Père Noël. Père Noël wears a red cloak with a hood trimmed in white fur. So if you ever see a Santa wearing that red mm-hmm. cloak, like that's a thing that he wouldn't ever walk around in like the coat and belt with thick fur collared coat without a hood that we see in American Santa. Père Noël always has a hood. They wouldn't like wake up to the presents under the tree. Like Père Noël would actually come after midnight mass. So they would come, he would come on Christmas Eve. So you wouldn't have to wait until the next morning. He does not get milk and cookies. French Santa gets wine. <laughs> Lucky French Santa. Another tradition I think we should maybe incorporate a little bit harder. <laughs> and um, now there's another part of the tradition. They, don't, they wouldn't hang their stockings, but they would leave their shoes and their slippers by the fireplace. And that's something that, that we yeah. see with a lot of the Cajun traditions is that it's shoes. And they'd leave, like, carrots in the shoes for the deer or something at one point, too, well, right? Well, Père or Noel something. has a donkey named Ah, Guy. that's what it is. He has a little Named donkey. what? Guy. It means, Guy. Um, means mistletoe. Cool. Or at least it was longer, and it meant mistletoe, and now it's just been, been shortened. But you also see traditions, like, along the river parishes of Cajun, like, the Cajun concept of Santa. They, they might call him Santa instead of Père Noel, but... There are mm. still parts of the state that do think of him as arriving on a donkey. Mm. So that, yeah, he has his little donkey named Guy. You would leave out carrots for the donkey. If he did leave something bad, if Père Futard didn't get them, then he wouldn't leave coal, but he'd leave, like, ashes 
in your shoes. Even worse than cold. You can't even do nothing with that. You can't. You can wash your. You can. You can pour some. You know, fat on there and scrub your shoes. Maybe I'm not sure, but yeah, there's nothing. Maybe. Yeah, ashes would be way worse. Yeah. So that's the kind of the ideas of Père Noël, and we do see some traditions that wound up sticking around, mostly with the shoes, though. This always blows my mind how quickly our culture shifts. Mm-hmm. Is that in from my grandparents' generation to mine? Their entire concept of Christmas, which is the, supposedly this this holiday that's all about traditions, is completely revamped because they got like a, an orange. They got anything on Christmas. It was like literally a single orange or, you know, maybe a little something extra or that Revillon dinner. But mm-hmm. the presents and stuff, the toys and everything wouldn't show up until New Year's. And that is, seems almost universal across Cajun culture. Oh, interesting. So that's something that's shifted. I mean, how many kids you know nowadays who are excited to get presents on New Year's? Zero. Like, it's not a thing. I think that's a part of that speaks to, like, our everybody, you know, trying to maybe not only uphold the past generation's things, but also just do it bigger and better kind of thing. Or at least perceived bigger and better, right? Like, so let's yeah. give them on the day and give them a give them a lot of presents instead of just maybe the orange or whatever. I mean, you want to yeah. give your kids more than one orange for Christmas. Like, I'm yeah, sure, I'm sure, maybe, maybe not my great grandpa. He was, he was, from what I understand, by all accounts, an utter bastard. But hmm. like most parents, you would want to give your kids something better. You know, you would want to, you would want to give them more than a single satsuma if you, and you'd want to have the means to be able to do that. Right. So, it, I mean, the progression makes sense. It's just the timeline, like the the swiftness that this, you know, the shift in the in the practices came because yeah. now there are still a lot of people I found online that celebrate this. So one that I thought was interesting in um, a book that I read recently, Nathan Rabelais' Louisiana Folklore Custom, Characters in Louisiana Folklore, mm-hmm. he talked about La Crestian being a mostly uh, Evangeline Parish concept, mm-hmm. but it was also very prevalent down here in Lafouche. And Le Christian is um, the sort of female angelic character. You can see some people, she would come on Christmas, but they tended to be a little bit younger. So I think maybe she was kind of a transition towards Santa Claus for a lot of families. But she would usually come on New Year's and she would leave fruits and nuts, maybe a couple of coins if it was a very affluent family. And most people said it was shoes. I did have a few people who they would, she would just leave a big bowl, like a big gift basket for the whole family to share. And whenever we went to see his book talk in Thibodeau, he said he thought it was mostly Evangeline Parish. And then myself and a couple of people from down in Chauvin were raised our hands. And he was kind of surprised to hear that we had the traditional of La Christiane too, because it seems to be another sort of Germanic origin thing. So mm-hmm. it probably might've shifted during one of the waves of German immigrants because they have the Christkind. And it's it's just, if you imagine like that stereotypical, like little angel in the white dress, kind of based on like St. Lucia from the Swedish traditions, like angelic hair, usually blonde hair with sometimes there's a crown. Sometimes there's just a ring of holly or something around their head and the perfectly white dress with the red ribbon around their waist. You know, that's kind of how Le Christian looks. And mm-hmm. so it looks similar, very similar to La Christkind. And so they think there must have been some sort of cultural transference from that. Yeah. But that was kind of one of the most popular characters that brings presents on New Year's. Uh, there was also Papa Lan, Father Year. He was literally like just a dude. <laughs> all the, the is this like about... Father Year like for like New Year's, you're saying? Yeah, this, these, yeah, all these people came for New Year's. Mm. 
I didn't realize La Christiane came from New Year's. La Christiane came for New Year's Year's originally. That, but I'm saying I've seen, I saw some where La Christiane came for Christmas. Okay. So I think maybe as the culture was shifting from New Year's to Christmas, that maybe La Christiane started coming on the 25th, and then eventually Mm. that became Santa Claus or Père Noël. You know, like I think, I think maybe La Christiane had a Christmas Eve thing for a minute, (laughs) and then for most people now it's Santa Claus. But Father Year, when I was researching him. It was one account that I read, uh, a personal account where their cousins would come from Texas and Father Year didn't go there. So their whole family developed like a mythology that Perlan only came to Louisiana and he was extra special because when the Texan cousins were in Texas, they didn't get Perlan presents. Ah. It was only when they came to their Cajun cousin's house. That's awesome. He was just dressed in simple clothes. He didn't have a regular costume. He was just kind of like a weird uncle that you didn't know that showed up and brought you presents. Um, <laughs> that's cool though that, and that's totally a way that like family can guilt the other family in texas to come visit too you know <laughs> you know the kids want them satsumas bread you know it <laughs> oh. now one that's still going on in um in contemporary canada he's a snowman but it's a uh, le bonhomme janvier mm-hmm. so if you look up le bonhomme janvier like most of what you're going to find is this very perky sort of like cartoonish frosty the snowman looking He's kind of a mascot for New Year's, kind of like the way the New Year's baby is for a lot of places in Canada, French Canada. And it's 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 very interesting because in down here it's more considered like a, a kind of a fairy or an elf. Mm-hmm. And you see a couple of different artist descriptions, but I wasn't able to find any real like concrete historical description of what people thought he was. But he was another one who would deliver into your shoes. You would leave them by the fireplace and you get candy and oranges on New Year's Day. But this is one of the, he was one of the first ones that I heard about that I love this version of it. And we see a couple of other ones further down the list was that if you didn't appreciate what you'd gotten for Christmas, he took it back. So if you did get a toy for Christmas, uh, and this again sounds like a, sounds like kind of a, a transitional mythology because I didn't find a lot about the Christmas stuff. Like the, they, everybody said they kind of got their Christmas stories. But the people who are around, like, maybe our parents' age or a little bit older, like, 60s into their 70s, those are the ones that age that I spoke to that would say, oh, and if, if you didn't appreciate what Santa Claus brought you, then Le Bonhomme Janvier, they took it back. Or Madame de Grandois, they took it back. I'm <clears> like, that's some cold-blooded boomer stuff right there. That's, <laughs> imagine. Yeah. Like, if you a little, if you a little poop head between Christmas and New Year's and on New Year's, Le Bonhomme Janvier, it's like, give me that Transformer, bro. I'm sorry. You was, a, you was an evil little poop while you was out of school. I'm taking your toys back. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, I would have been good, for sure. Oh I love my, my toys. Right? I still have my toys in my uh, office here, my, my studio. I have a few. So. I, have a a few, few. I, may, yeah. I may or may not still have my Cabbage Patch doll from, like, 1985. Now, she is oh, not nice. in anything vaguely resembling mint condition. Oh, right. She became a bit of a fashion model sometime when I was about... 11 years old there's still some makeup on her another character that would come and one that we used in our book was uh, Madame de Grandois and Madame de Grandois is freaking amazing like she's not something I grew up with she's something I learned about it's more of a a prairie Cajun uh, western south Louisiana sort of thing but this woman is um, now sometimes she's referred to as uh, Santa Crupi uh, Santa's wife, which I appreciate the division of labor, like girl power. 
Mm-hmm. But most of the time, she's presented as Madame de Grandois, who's this like scary hag with long fingers that are perfect for either filling stockings or ripping your toes off and wearing them as a necklace. <laughs> oh my God. Again with the toes with South Louisiana. Again with the toes. We got to pull some toes. <laughs> That's right. Um, or rip them off and hang them around your neck either way. You would, th- you would think our culture would be more tied to shoes given how it yeah. precariously perched our toes are on any some given boots night. Some, some, <laughs> some good old the white The fact boots. that we're known for being barefoot. <laughs> we should be the culture that wears boots to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, but it was it was an accomplishment to be able to run over the gravel road in bare feet when I was you know when you were a kid. Oh my God, yeah, because they didn't have side, they didn't have uh, shoulders. It was just crumbled up oyster shells. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was no asphalt. It was it was you didn't get burned, but like you had to be able to to run across an oyster shell sidewalk. Woo! Oh goodness, oh, yeah. You had to, yeah, plant your feet in the right places and have really tough, calloused <laughs> bottoms. Anyway. Once again, Cajuns yeah. are hobbits. That's but right. Madame de Grandois, I'm telling you, like, maybe that's why it's all the toe pulling. It's like you got to value your feet as a Cajun because you're never wearing damn shoes. But yeah, she did. She, like, she would come, Madame de Grandois would come, and if you were good, she'd bring you stuff. And she would sneak into your attic, right? She, there's a whole thing about her being, like, this creepy, this creepy old lady in the attic. And if you were good, she would come and she'd take those long fingers and she'd put typical like fruits and nuts, maybe some little bitty toys in your stocking. But if you was bad. Now, sometimes she would steal a kid and put them in their sack. But most of the time, it was just that she would pull the toes off. I don't even know where that story, like it seems like a, such a bizarre outlier from all yeah. the other Christmas stories. Like she's, she's a, fe- now there are, there are like other female winter characters, but that's mostly in like the Slavic traditions. Mm-hmm. But like you've got like a little elf. Various degrees of white guy with a beard, brown guy with a beard, depending on, you know, what tradition you're celebrating. And then we've mm-hmm. got this, like, mama with a toe fetish who's creeping around <laughs> putting kids in a sack. Like, she just, it's a very interesting little um, little nuance of Madame de Grandois that uh, I, I just love it. I Madame to, I de Grand- Grandois and Pierre Futard should have hung out and they'd be the most frightening duo you've ever right? seen. Oh, like like <laughs> evil like yeah. There's the Pierre Futard movie. Is he's it's gonna be a romantic comedy with him and Madame de Grandois oh my going God. around picking We're writing kids that. You better, Yeah, nobody else start on that because me and Alexis are writing that. So. A jar full of pickled <laughs> pig's toe kids' toes. <laughs> Jeez. Oh Lord have mercy. And I love that, like, everybody uh, everybody talks about, like, what they got for Christmas. It was always, like, fruits and nuts and, um, like, right. little trinkets. Like, like it, wasn't, it wasn't a huge thing. It was more about being together. It was more about eating the food and being together and celebrating the holiday. But, yeah. you know, they still, they still valued those things. Mama Moss, till the day that she died, she kept this little um, – it was literally just a picture of a chicken in a little wooden box that hmm. she got for Christmas one year. And it, it looked – it looked about as well drawn as like an animal crackers box. Yeah. But it was just this little drawing of a chicken done on wood and it was glued into a little kind of hobo made matchbox thing that kind of looked like a um like a chicken crate and mm-hmm. you know, she kept that for forever. You know, even though it was even though it was simple to us, like it was special to yeah. them. Right. And, yeah, for sure. Nostalgia, you know, like, man. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, the little things that would last and it was so funny. We go to the um, we go to the Burden's Gardens up in LSU. They have the old timey Christmas each year, and we went for a few years. Um, we're not going to get to go this year, but we usually 
we've gone like a couple of years in the row, both pre and post COVID. And they show making the the wreaths out of the muscadine vine. And they kind of, it's one of those like old timey display days where you go and watch like the blacksmiths and make candles and stuff. Oh yeah. We've done that before. That's cool. Yeah. And at the end of the day, Père Noel comes, Santa Claus comes and gives everybody satsumas. Well, my youngest, he spent the whole day wondering what this magical thing of a satsuma was. And he, oh, I remember him looking shit. at it going, it's an orange? <laughs> I waited this whole day for an orange? Because we only said, ever said the word satsuma. That's we amazing. Never and he wasn't <laughs> disappointed because they were really good. But yeah. He was still kind of like baffled like i'm not really sure what mystical magical thing satsuma had grown to in his mind <laughs> yeah. but it was not an it orange. sounds cool like if you have if i've never heard the word satsuma and you tell me i'm getting a satsuma i might be excited about that too yeah. for sure and I'm still be excited about i'd it. still be excited either way but yeah that's a that's awesome yeah <laughs> now one of the interesting things that i did see was the concept of trapper's christmas and this, to me, is amazing and shows the variability of the Cajun practicality and the ability of the holidays, especially Christmas time, seems like, to just become whatever the person, the family, the individual needs it to be, mm-hmm. right? Because Trapper's Christmas was what? February 15th, yeah. February 15th. I saw some as late as February 25th as yeah, well. Yeah, I guess it all depends on when the trapping season ends, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean. And you're able to sell your pelts or hides or whatever, yeah. Cool. Yeah, my dad was a trapper, so he was going, you know, throughout the winter. So I don't think he ever missed a Christmas that way, but like I mm-hmm. could see it happening, you know, before before that time. Like, and you know, he, I could see his parents doing that because they grew up doing the same thing. But, yeah, uh, yeah. It's an and I mean, would y'all like it would be celebrated the same as Christmas? It would just be like, well, we got a rain check from Santa or I'm... Père Noël or whoever that's was right. coming. You know, I th- I think that's really interesting because. I mean, we know this. We know this. We have kids. Every family makes their own traditions, mm-hmm. right? Large or small. You've got some big families where you've got a lot of big voices that are going to dictate what everybody else does. But really, when you're at your house on Christmas Eve, you're the one who decides what you celebrate. Mm-hmm. And you're the one who decides what you're going to do. So at any given moment, you can cherry pick that you want to celebrate Per Futard or you want to you know, have your kids leave their shoes out for New Year's this year. And Hope that Le Bonhomme Janvier shows up and not Madame de Grandois. Yeah, you know? <laughs> we might have to try that one this year just to see how it goes over. Right? Just see how it yeah. goes over. Like, start a new tradition. Start new yeah. traditions. Bring back old ones because, you know, the holidays become what we need them to be. And for Gajan people, it seems to be a whole lot about just reconnecting. Reconnecting with your community. Reconnecting with your family. Seeing your cousins. I've got cousins I only see around Christmas time. Just reweaving yeah, all absolutely. those bonds. I think it's a great idea to just make it what it is for you, because that's you know that's what means everything anyway. So the book is out. Yeah. So at the time of this recording, I received my copy of my or our novel yesterday. Creatures of Conquest: Legend of the Bayou Bengal is in. I have two forms of it now, but one hardcover and a and paperback as well. And yeah, it looks great. I really hope y'all enjoy it as much as we do. As I've said before, it's just a really cool story. Book two is going to be even awesomer because a lot of that's going to take place in South Louisiana. Only some of book one does, but all about the Bayou Bengal. But yeah, really, I am really proud of you, stuff. Brad. That is oh, that is a heck so of much. an accomplishment. 
It and uh, what, a, what, a great, what a great thing to celebrate for this holiday. You'd be like, you know what I don't have to work on over holidays? <laughs> this book. This <laughs> book. But I will be working on book two. <laughs> I, yeah, it's just I'm, something uh... that I note every time. Like, yeah, I just work on it all the time mentally. And so does Steven, <laughs> my co-writer. And yeah, but it's the awesome. Things that live in our head. Yeah, same. Um, just I'm just still slogging. I'm I'm incredibly uninteresting in the Christmas season. Um, I'm trying to do a um, a bit of a, a blog sprint through the Yule Tide. Uh, if anybody's oh. curious and wants to cool. know more about what I do for the holidays or um, uh, recipes and things like that, you can uh, sign up for my newsletter at alexisbro.com, um, or you can hunt me down on Facebook. I'll be posting on there and on Instagram as well. Hopefully every day starting with uh, the 20th and then going through until the 31st and maybe a little something extra for 12th night because um, I'm going to be heading out to the New Orleans Fan Expo uh, with Carnival of Creatures. And that's kind of my whole brain right now. (laughs) Nice. I love that both of our books have creatures in it. Carnival of Creatures and Creatures of Conquest. (laughs) Did not, and the same alliteration, did not even realize that till what, episode two? Yeah. We were recording and I was like, oh crap, we have the same acronyms for our work. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, it just shows. <laughs> Alexis and I, for yeah, for those of you who don't know, Alexis and I went to college together and yeah, we talked a lot about creatures and mythologies and all this stuff throughout college. So yeah. And I'm so blessed that we're doing it again. We are both so blessed <laughs> that we're doing it again. <laughs> I'm loving it. Well, look. Yeah. Merry Christmas, my dear. And Merry I'll Christmas. talk to you again. Um, I will send along every amount of holiday cheer I can from Absolutely. Parish. Well, same here. Merry Christmas to everybody, and thank y'all for listening. Merry Christmas, we love you guys. Bon Noel. Bon Noel. <laughs>